often vulgar, always explicit, and sometimes funny. Slap box. Slap box. Welcome to the Slapbox Podcast. This is episode 462. I am your host, Josh Albrecht, and I am once again inside the Slapbox penthouse. Since it is Pride Month, June and all, I figured probably about time I come out of the closet. Literally, not figuratively. My back pussy is not open for business. Not as of yet. Not saying it's going to be. <laughs> But uh, last few episodes I've been recording in the closet because uh, I got some acoustic foam and stuff in there trying to kill some of the reverb, the echo as it were. And uh, it's just, it's a little rough recording in the closet. I can't have my computer in there. Uh, well, it's uh, well, it, it's difficult. We'll just say that. <laughs> I did uh, just put up some moving blankets and stuff inside this room. Kind of huddled around. They tried to kill some of the echo. I managed to kill it a little bit. I have This is like the, I don't know, 10th time I've tried to re- <laughs> restart this one tonight. Because I've been trying to minimize some of that uh, echo and reverb. And yeah. I think it, I think it's uh, passable now. But it was really bugging me at first in, in the headphones. I really need to get something up in this room. Because it's just not—it's just not cool to record for an hour inside a closet in a very, very small closet. It might be different if I uh, run some power in there and I'm able to have like the soundboard and everything in there. But without, because the way I was doing, I had the soundboard outside of the closet and I would just set everything up. And the computer I was using to record with was outside the closet, where I did have my laptop inside, my shittier laptop to uh, play the intro and. And yada yada, and uh, it uh, shall we say didn't work real well. It was uncomfortable. <laughs> Got a little hot in there, a little hot. Um, small enclosed area, uh, but uh, I'm I'm li- trying to listen to my voice now, and I think oh shit, uh, hit the mic stand. But uh, I think I think it's passable, passable. Um, I uh, am still trying to get things straightened out in here and organized in the old penthouse. Uh, unfortunately, still working six days a week and not having a whole lot of free time to uh, <clears throat> get all of that uh, stuff uh, done. And I'm just, you know, tired a lot of times. Today, I, I went ahead and just got uh, some picture frames for the posters that I wanted to put up as... Uh, I wanted to do canvas and then uh, insulate the canvas, but I just really don't want to spend a bunch of money on canvas right now. But canvas would uh, help kill some sound, but I really wanted to get some posters on the wall. And fuck it, I just wanted to bought some poster frames. Unfortunately, though, one of those po- posters I have is smaller than the damn frame, so I can't put that up yet. <laughs> Gonna have to make a uh, a mat for it. And... Uh, yeah, that's so that's another damn thing. But I got the tool poster put up and I believe it's 10,000 days. I think I actually got that at a concert. Whenever uh Oh, I don't know, was that uh 2010 maybe? <laughs> I think it was Maybe it was 2007. 
Yeah, I guess it was 2007 when I got that. I think it was that show. I've seen them like four times now. I believe it was 2007, so like a year after 10,000 Days came out. I've got that. The Alex Gray art. I don't know the name of the piece. But it's a little something to put on the studio. I've been I've been playing some music, though. Playing uh, guitar. Getting a little bit of time in with that. And it's nice having uh, the guitar rack looking at all my guitars. They look so nice over there. And damn it, Adam Jones is like trolling me on Instagram. That is, of course, the guitarist for Tool. He is one of my uh, favorite guitarists. And... Uh, he posted yet again just a little screenshot of uh, his Epiphone signature, his guitar there. The uh, I'm assuming it's a Les Paul. <laughs> He's known for the Gibson Silverburst guitar. I'm assuming it's a Epiphone version of that. I mean, it's just a case that says uh, 1979 uh, Adam Jones, whatever. But uh, I hope it has that color. Still no release date on when that Les Paul is going to come out. I'm going to guess it's between the $800 to $1,000 range since it's an Epiphone. It's like somehow I'm going to have to come up with that cash. <laughs> Maybe I'll throw it on my credit card. <laughs> but after that, like, man, should I really get... I, well, I shouldn't be buying that guitar, period. But it's very tempting to get that guitar. I was hoping to get a hold of Shelly. As uh, we we were kind of messaging back and forth through the week, and uh, it would be I haven't uh, been to a concert. The last concert I went to was Tool in 2019. That was the last time I went to a concert. Of course, Shelly and I went, and it was uh, at the Enterprise Center where the uh, Blues play. And uh, I think that was uh, yeah, it was it was during the Stanley Cup Finals. There was no thinking yet. It was. During the Stanley Cup Finals, the Blues were in it, playing against Boston, which, spoiler alert, they won. <laughs> it was the first time ever the Blues won the Stanley Cup Finals. They took home the Cup. It's fucking awesome. And that night of the Tool concert, they were in Boston, of course. They're obviously, they're not going to have a Tool concert, like, halftime during... <laughs> or, well, it's not really halftime, I guess, that... uh hockey game there's three periods there's not a halfway point um i believe they're actually on the rink at the halfway point anyway <laughs> it was it was pretty awesome being there at the concert while the blues were in the cup and taking home the win they didn't win the whole series that night but damn they won and it was just cool being in that atmosphere plus it was a tool concert although i was dead tired that night from working a lot of overtime <laughs> I don't think, if I remember correctly, I was not off work the next day. I probably had to go in at 5 a.m. the next day. And I somehow managed to to get through. There was, I don't know what is with so many concerts being in the middle of the fucking week. <laughs> I guess even musicians don't like to work the weekends. But uh, anyway, Shelly and I were messaging each other through the week about uh, concerts. I had noticed that, uh, which I was, oh. The lineup sounded awesome. It was uh, two more well-known bands, and then some uh, some kind of opening acts that were I, I didn't know at least. But it was the uh, the Violent Femmes and Flogging Molly, and I was like, "Holy shit! I'd love to fucking see those show." I'm I'm a fan of both of those bands, 
And uh, although I feel like if I'm going to see Flogging Molly, it really should be on St. Pat's. That should really be the time to go see one Flogging Molly. Um, however, and I was messaging him about the, like, check this out. Like, fucking, like, that would be awesome to see these two bands. But unfortunately, uh, when I looked at the tickets, like, the cheapest ones, because it was, uh, I don't recall what, uh, I think it was an indoor concert, possibly at, like, a, a theater somewhere, and there was very few seats. Like, they just don't, they're, you know, not allowing a whole lot of people there. And like tickets, the cheapest were like one fifty or one sixty, something like that. And it's just like, oh, shiznet. That's 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 a bit rough, a bit rough. I don't like. I mean, I'd lo- love to see some Floggy Molly and the Violent Femmes. I want to add it up, and uh, maybe get a little uh, <laughs> blister in the sun. You know what I'm saying? Classic old fashioned song about masturbation, one I can really relate to. Uh, <laughs> but. Uh, but yeah, we, that was a, a no-go. But then Shelly had messaged me that the Foo Fighters were coming to town uh, <laughs> on uh, Shelly's birthday, August 3rd. And like, holy shit, I, I, want, I really want to see the Foo Fighters before something happens. Like, I don't see like Dave Grohl giving up. I feel like he's going to like <laughs> go until the end. But like, who knows when that end's going to be, you know? I want... To fucking see like Dave Grohl up in, and uh, the the Foo man, the Foo, <laughs> Pat Schmier and and the other guys, you know I don't remember the other guys off the top of my head. The one guitarist is Chris something, yeah. Uh, Taylor Hawkins, the drummer, yeah, I remember that. Anyway, yeah, that would be a cool show, and it's cheaper tickets. Although I haven't checked today. Several days ago, there was uh, lawn tickets for about $83, which would be like two of those tickets would be the cost of one of the fucking tickets for uh, Flogging Molly. So, I mean, like, holy shit. Oh, no, it's the Foo Fighters. Love to see the Foo Fighters. See, I made the mistake of just missing out on Soundgarden when they got back together. And I was like, that was like one of my favorite. It's still, I guess, one of my favorite all-time bands. And, like, it was a... I mean, that stuff was like, uh, I guess when I first got into Soundgarden, because it had to be around 94. I was in junior high. That's right around 94, I believe, is when Super Unknown came out. Black Hole Sun. Holy shit. If you had like MTV or at that time or VH1, which I had cable and uh, used to watch that sort of stuff back then. Didn't have YouTube around to watch music videos. But, uh, the video for Black Hole Sun was constantly playing, and uh, it was it was a classic one. Seen uh, Barbie melting. Anyway, <laughs> very very uh, visual uh, candy, I guess. A lot of cool stuff going on in that, and uh, <clears throat> it was uh, that that whole album, Super Unknown. A lot of good stuff on there, and that was at the time I was really starting to learn how to play guitar and uh like black hole sun fell on black days uh, the day i tried to live i mean just oh that whole album is fantastic and then when uh down on the upside came out uh i totally lost why i was going into <laughs> soundgarden what even brought that up shit but uh holy hell man that's uh 
That's good stuff. Now I like Bad Moto F- Finger, and you know I know a lot of people are like that's that's their jam. Is is that album that? Uh, but man, uh, Super Unknown. That album is to me like great. Although I really love Down on the Upside too. I'm a big fan of that one. Pretty Noose, which is kind of fucked up now since uh, you know Chris Cornell did uh, unfortunately hang himself. So that's song's kind of. Mar- it's weird to listen to it now. And then uh, it, it's hard to watch. I guess the my favorite song, of course, by Soundgarden is uh, The Day I Try to Live, <clears throat> which is also fucked up because if you watch the video, he's hanging himself in the video. You know, there's a bit of foreshadowing, it would seem now. A little fucked up. And then, uh, But, of course, uh, the, uh, <clears throat> once Chris Cornell passed, like that brought me back to the guitar, and I hadn't, hadn't touched the guitar much in a long time before uh, that for a good period off and on again like gone back and forth between playing and not playing but uh, like I bought an acoustic guitar for that the Epiphone Dove Pro because I went did a deep dive on YouTube to see uh, Chris Cornell's solo stuff which I hadn't really gotten into before he passed I was like man I re- oh here's the point I was getting to with the Foo Fighters anyway yeah so much digressions here I digress way too much but uh, the point of I was getting at was uh, <clears throat> before Chris Cornell passed, I was like, I always want to like, and I was like, man, it, for a long time, I was like, if Soundgarden never gets back together, I want to go see them. And they got back together, and it was like, the the tickets were, I mean, they were expensive. Like, when they first started touring again, it was like, <laughs> that's what really drove me of not going to a show. But, you know, after he passed, I was like, fuck, man, I should have gone to one fucking show and seen... Uh, Soundgarden or just Chris Cornell solo because I totally missed out on that. I didn't like seek it out while he was around, but then like after he passed, man, I went on like a total deep dive on YouTube. I for a while I was scouring every fucking Cornell solo video I could find. There's a lot of it on YouTube and just a lot of good stuff. And uh, he did some very interesting covers as well as I mean you get. <clears throat> Hell, just covers of his own songs, like acoustically, and just just good stuff. And uh, like, and there's real strong ones, especially now. Like after he passed, it's kind of hard to watch. But he uh, did a cover of Bob Marley's Redemption song, which I believe he played many a times. But there's a particular one uh, where he recorded with his daughter Tony. At the time, I well, I think she's. I'm not sure how old she is now, like 16, 17. But at the time of the recording, she was, I don't know, 10. I don't know. This is several years back. She was pretty young, but uh, she sang Redemption Song with him. And uh, it was a, uh, it's really hard, kind of hard to watch that now. But it was, it's a really good performance. She can really sing. And it, man, now it's kind of bringing me down. But uh, <clears throat> yeah, I really, I'm really tempted to get those Foo Fighter tickets as a, uh, as I'm thinking, I shit should probably check it out to see if there's still access. But like, man, uh, it's been years. Other than well, yeah, it's been yeah, like two years since I've been to a concert. So, and before that Tool concert, man, it'd probably been a few years since I saw a concert. Then I've I love concerts and everything, but unfortunately, I've never like gone to a whole lot of them really. Other than I mean, I guess I've seen like lo- uh, local bands play a lot. There was times, you know, one of my early 
early 20s, I guess late teens, where I would see a lot of local bands, hang out at like Battle of the Bands and stuff. And uh, well, I, I was friends with bands, so, you know, I hung out with uh, Jackman, of course. He had uh, several bands. Startled Oral Defecation. And, uh, man, I should have him totally on and talk about those early days of that stuff. They... <laughs> You know, you know when the stuff's going on, you just don't like it. Uh, so especially when you're that young, you don't really uh, en- uh, I don't know, enjoys the right word, but you just don't realize how awesome shit is. <laughs> like when when it's going on, sometimes, like especially the younger you are, like you just think that those times are gonna are never ending. I guess, um, not knowing exactly how things are gonna play out, but. Like, I mean, there was some interesting days hanging out with, like, Jackman and, like, uh, oral, it started out, Oral Defecation was their first band. And uh, there was, then they uh, formed Torrance, which Torrance had many different lineups. It had, uh, and but Oral Defecation, at the time I wasn't really big into metal. Like, I, I, I like it more now, especially after following those guys a lot. I would go to a lot of their shows. And I don't know, I just, it, for me, it was like, again, like I was saying, like I was into like Soundgarden and stuff and grunge. I mean, I grew up on like Nirvana and uh, like I was big into Green Day for the first like three or four albums. And then they really lost me at American Idiot. Like, like I agree with a lot of the viewpoints and stuff in it, but like I just, I don't know, they went to like Poppy, but I love those first three fucking Green Day albums and Weezer, holy shit. I could talk about Weezer for a long time. Just how much I love Reverse Cuomo. <laughs> uh, maybe I am coming out of the closet. I'm just gonna. But uh, I think I have to be a uh, small Japanese woman if I want Rivers Cuomo to be attracted to me. That could be a problem. <laughs> if I'm gonna go gay for Cuomo. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's Rivers Cuomo. Let's be sp- very uh, specific there. Um, anyway, yeah. <laughs> keep losing track of where I was going. Uh, but yeah, Jackman, Oral Defecation, man, it was really exciting those early days. And Trebejo and I would uh, forever, when they were starting out, they would. Uh, there was several places in St. Louis they would go play that uh, aren't around anymore. Um, what, Creepy Crawl? I, I feel like that place might be gone now. I think that was... Feel like that was up on like Chip Chippewa, maybe up in St. Louis, but there was several like uh, smaller establishments that, of course, they would play, and uh, they would. It was like Trebejo and I would be like the only two there for a long time, and you know, uh, <clears throat> wasn't really my cup of tea of the music at the time, and uh, I definitely respected it, like because like man, Jackman was one hell of a drummer. And like his double bass and stuff, he got to be really good and really tight for quite a while there. Unfortunately, he doesn't really have the time to play much anymore. But uh, there's the mic stand. Um, <laughs> man, uh, like I respected like the music. You know, I tried to kind of play with them before, but yeah, it just wasn't. <laughs> I wish I would have been like better at playing guitar, and like I wish I would have done something with a band at some point and actually like, played a show, <laughs> not like even like a lot of shows. Just you know. Maybe done something on an album. Like they recorded a lot, and that was awesome times, though. Uh, and I really liked it, meeting the other bands. Like we would hang out with Jackman. Of course, they would go to like Battle of the Bands, 
and stuff. And man, I really, really miss a lot of that shit. Just going to like shows. And again, unfortunately, I, like when I was saying I'm going to concerts, I'm talking like bigger concerts at venues. I did go to a lot of local stuff. <laughs> and uh, that was. Oh, this pop filter is a little uh, difficult to use. It uh, <laughs> likes to. Got a new uh, pop filter I'm, I'm rocking. And it's. I don't know if I like it. But uh, anyway, yeah. I mean, it was quite the times with Trebejo and I. I and mean, we had to support our bud- buddies, you know, as they were, uh, <clears throat> you know, trying to make a name for themselves. I still still have some torn shirts somewhere, I believe. I don't think I, I think I've got at least one. I used to, you know, buy all, the, all their merch. And uh, I never had an oral defecation shirt, I don't think. I think I still have their CD somewhere. I, I've kind of... <laughs> All my CDs are just kind of thrown in boxes right now. Uh, but holy shit, I mean, that was fun times. Unfortunately, though, like, uh, like I just felt obligated, especially since there was, like, nobody, like, going to the shows. It's like, well, fuck, we got to be there. Like, somebody's got to be there. But then I missed – there was a good chunk of time where I missed when there were torrents of not going to the shows. You know, I had other stuff I was into. I, I was going off and doing. Uh, but uh, they were uh, – I think it was, <laughs> I think what happened was once I became age of age of drinking is what happened. That's when I kind of disappeared and just going, going to the bars a lot. Um, and drinking, not really going to see bands. Uh, but like, unfortunately I missed a lot of good shows from those guys. Cause they got really tight. Like the early days. I mean, <laughs> it was a little rough with the world defecation days, but man, when Torrance, Torrance got as far as locally. I mean, they got pretty, pretty decent size uh, audience for like a, a local band, and it was more than you know two buddies out in the audience. And then the few shows I did go to, uh, when they had a really uh, tight band going on, like when Fitz was the, like the front man of it and stuff. Like I went to the Midwest Music Pit, which they used to do quite a few shows over there, and. Man, they had quite the audience going on, and it was, it was popping. It was just like, oh man, I oh I felt like I kind of let them down for like disappearing forever, and like I kind of missed like the uh, their prime. But uh, but it was fun times though. Going back to them, like there was, uh, and just hanging out in recording studios. I went with Jackman to, uh, I don't remember the. It was like he worked for a studio for a little while in St. Louis. It was like. I want to say, uh, S, 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 uh, no, no, it's not SST. It was, it was some, some record label, smaller record label up in, or not record label, but recording studio up in St. Louis where, uh, I got to hang out and that was being a recording studio for the first time and just chilling, what, you know, listen to them, like record people. That shit was awesome. And then Jackman had several, <laughs> uh, Editions, uh, or, you know, versions of the studio in a, in the old bunker, the Slapbox bunker, which I had brought up uh, in one of the last uh, bunker shows. But uh, they had uh, <clears throat> a few different studios in there, and man, like there was some there was some good people that went through and recorded there. I remember uh, sitting in on some recordings. Uh, it was like right before I moved in uh, to Jackman's, like not too long before. Sitting in, he, he had this guy named Dejan King, 
that recorded with him. He was just doing all solo stuff. He liked to, uh, he would play out and uh, he would use a, a loop pedal where he would play guitar and then loop it and then do different parts. And he had this one, I don't I don't remember how it went exactly, but man, I, I was like, if he just gets this out there, I mean, it was, it sounded just like something, it sounded like a real radio hit to me. And, you know, I've listened to music for years, and I really felt like, man, dude, if he really puts this out there, like, it, it, it could uh, really go somewhere. But he was a, uh, he was an interesting guy. He didn't really, uh, <laughs> as far as I know, yeah, he never really pushed it out there much. But, man, I was like, if it was something about Hollywood and, and the song, I don't remember exactly how it went, but it's like, holy shit, you know. And it was it was just cool just sitting in. In, in the recording studios. There's something magical about that to me as uh I've always just grown up loving like music. Even from the, like even before Soundgarden and all the grunge era stuff, like uh I was raised on Beatles and uh of course uh Pink Floyd and all the classics. The monkeys, you know <laughs> as they say in Dumb and Dumber, you know the monkeys inspired the Beatles. I love that line in there. It's so fantastic. Uh, but uh, oh, damn. fun fact, though, but Jimi Hendrix, uh, before like the exp- the, the Jimi Hendrix experience really exploded, they were on tour with the Monkees, and uh, it, it, I think the Monkees crowd was a little uh, <laughs> thrown off by Jimi Hendrix as they were like the boy band of their day. As the Beatles were to an extent too, as but like the Monkees is definitely just like a lot of teenage girls like showing up at their their shows. They were, I guess, like the sort of in sync of their day. And even now, I don't know what that's a, that's a dated reference now too. I guess maybe One Direction's a little bit newer. I don't know what the uh, was it maybe BTS or some some shit. What's what's the most relevant one now? I don't I don't even know. <laughs> uh. But, uh, but yeah, Hendrix toured with them before, like, Hey Joe really blew up. And, uh, <clears throat> from what I understand, like, the audience was just like, uh, what the fuck is this? As he's opening for the monkeys and just a lot of distortion. You know, he's playing with his teeth. They didn't know what was. I feel like it was the scene in Back to the Future where, uh, Marty McFly is at the end and he's playing, uh, Johnny Be Good on the guitar in which I love that fucking scene with like he's playing it and uh the band leader who uh, was it his, he closed his hand in the the car door or the trunk that's what it was the trunk he slammed his he got his hand all fucked up so he couldn't play guitar that's why Marty was playing but I love it he's on the phone he's like hey Chuck that's your cousin Marvin <laughs> Marvin Barry or whatever he's like you gotta hear this and it's just so fantastic that the I I fucking love that scene. I lo, I mean, you know, the St. Louis native Chuck Berry is uh, apparently there's something. Oh shit! There's like duct tape on this chair, and I I found it with my hand. Now I got a bunch of adhesive on my hand. That's fantastic. That's great. Uh, <laughs> try not to put my hand on things. Uh, but man, yeah, that that scene so, so fantastic. Uh. <clears throat> So yeah. Anyway, other than that, other than like music and going and reminiscing about uh, all the uh, you know, stuff I love about music and such, but uh, 
I just recently watched uh, Scarface because they're taking it off Netflix in a couple of days as they've had it up there for like, I don't know, a month or two. I haven't seen that movie in shit over a decade probably. It's classic. It's it's funny watching it now and see <laughs> Al Pacino is a Cuban and uh it, it's like it's like really they couldn't find a Cuban actor at that time to play a, a Cuban. <laughs> but uh like I mean I guess I buy him as Cuban, but like uh, it is, I mean he he's seems like his Spanish is okay, isn't it? Um I don't know that Al Pacino is fluent in Spanish in Espanol. I'm certainly not, so I can't really judge very well. But I'm I'm really thrown off by Robert Loggia, which I love me some Robert Loggia. Uh, but in, in that movie, I'm not really sure what nationality Robert Loggia is supposed to be. As maybe I should look this up there because that throws me off. Because Robert Loggia is definitely <laughs> Anglo-Saxon, but the way they dye his hair and stuff. In that movie, uh, and then he—I almost feel like they're trying, <laughs> trying to making him like almost Cuban. Uh, <laughs> and Scarface. <laughs> so, oh man, I spelt Scarface. Scargace. Scarface. There we go. Yeah, I know he's Italian. He's clearly Italian. I get that. Uh, Google. I I understand that. What the fuck was he in? <laughs> what was he in? Uh, fucking. In Scarface, though. That that's the confusing part to me. Here's Robert Loggia's obits. Here's obituary. Maybe I should uh, just put Robert Loggia in uh, in Scarface. And just see what the is. I I mean, I guess he's supposed to be just be like an Anglo-Saxon accent of some sort. He's just supposed to be Robert Loggia, but he looks weird. Like the the way they dye his hair and everything. But I definitely don't don't buy him being Latino in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> Robert Loggia. <laughs> his name's Frank Lopez so I guess he's supposed to be Latino of some sort uh, here we go oh well, there's a fandom on Robert Loggia and Scarface I mean I love me some Robert Loggia and I love him and Big holy shit I love oh, you know, Tom, my love for Tom Hanks and Robert Loggia being in Big him playing the keyboard with the, the, the old Tom Hanks is just it's it's a fantastic scene and I'm going to the mall. I remember uh, around that time, too, they had a uh, keyboard set up at, I don't want to say it was Chesterfield Mall, which they might they might be gone now. It was, uh, <laughs> they're talking about getting rid of it and tearing it down, but uh, I think the uh, pandemic put the final nails in that, that coffin. Um, <clears throat> damn it, this website is not loading up very well. Da-da-da. Uh, Oh, I thought this was going to have more information on his character on Scarface, not <laughs> it's just got like a biography on Robert Loggia. I don't I don't need to know that. I just want to know about <laughs> Frank Lopez. Like why the fuck? 
how like I don't buy him as as Latino. I mean, I guess he kind they kind of made him look that way. <laughs> and why did he have to be like Latino? Like there, there's no point in like and Robert Loja being Latino. Like I get like the Cuban crime wave going on at that time. You had a lot of cocaine coming in from South America, and that they wanted uh, you know people to. Uh, it was all about you know all that the cocaine coming in from there. Uh, okay, yeah, he is supposed to be Cuban. <laughs> Here we go. Here's the Frank Lopez historic uh, uh, Wikipedia here. This is uh, on fandom.com. This is... Uh, damn it. Uh, yeah. Frank Lopez, born in Cuba in 1927, the son of Sephardic Jewish parents. His brother was tortured to death by communist official Emilio Rabenga. Uh, is, is there really this much backstory? Was there like a book? There might have been a book, I guess, to Scarface or something. Well, there's a lot going on here. Anyway, yeah, he's supposed to be Cuban. That's hard to buy. That's hard to buy Robert Loja's Cuban. They did kind of, you know, do some makeup on it to make him look Cuban, but that movie is fantastic, though, as I've gotten so sidetracked on, on what nationality <laughs> Robert Loja is supposed to be. Like, nowadays, I would be, if they did that, you know, I would imagine it would be hard to get that cleared, to get all these people playing clearly not Cubans playing Cubans, all these fucking Italians playing Cubans. You know, Al Pacino, very Italian. Uh, I mean, he's the fucking godfather after all. Uh, so many great scenes. I, You know, there's the scene in there where Don uh, Marta uh, goes to do the drug deal inside the hotel and then uh, they end up hacking up the guy with the fucking chainsaw and uh, then Tony goes and just fucking shoots <laughs> shoots a few of them like in the street and everything while uh, his uh, his buddies finally go in and kill him you know, it's an interesting thing like he, it's a definitely obviously he's the anti-hero in that movie Tony Montana is of course uh, and uh, <laughs> like you're going around like he's basically the protagonist of the movie but very much I mean he's not a good guy not a good guy at all although there is like redeemable qualities to him in the movie like like what does him in in the end is that he fucking uh, refuses to kill that guy's family although <laughs> murdering people doesn't seem to be a problem to him until there was a, a woman and children involved then he's like oh this is fucked you're fucked up, man. Like, I don't kill no women and children, man. Uh, <laughs> fucking cockroaches. <laughs> uh, like, uh, I wonder, like, uh, I know Scarface still is a very popular movie, but, like, do, do Cuban Americans get offended by that movie? Or just Cubans in general, rather? Like, uh, is, is his portrayal... I don't really know, personally, any real Cubans. Um, I've known a lot of, uh, Latinos, uh, but I mean, uh, I don't, th I don't recall knowing any actual like Cubans. I just know like, uh, Mexicans, people from uh, Mexico. I don't know that I've come to think. I don't, th I don't think I've known any Cubans, but, uh, maybe that's just how the Cubans talked at that time like that. But 
I mean, they probably don't like the fact that, you know, they're just like, oh, yeah, we're just all criminals <laughs> after that movie. That probably had to be something to uh, to try to go like, hey, we're not all cocaine dealers murdering people. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, anyway, that that's the whole scene with the, the chainsaw was fantastic. And then you go, just going on the, the ride as you're like, oh, yeah, he's – He's a kind of a good criminal, but like they should. I feel like they could have added a little bit more to make him a little bit more likability. Like if you look into Pablo Escobar, who's a real person, uh, and uh, when he was running things, uh, which he was at the time considered like nobody. I don't think anybody knows exactly how much money Pablo Escobar ever made, but he was at the time probably the richest person in the world. He made a fuck ton of money. And he just, uh, he did help out a lot of poor people, and that's what kind of helped him stay in power is that he got uh, the working class behind him. And uh, he, uh, like, uh, I feel like they should have had a little bit more of that with Tony Montana. That would be... Like, but I guess the movie worked. The and the movie's fucking long enough already. <laughs> like, you don't need more of that. Um, but watching it now, it's like, man, he's he's a very despicable character. The only thing that's kind of <laughs> nice about him is the fact that he wasn't going to kill that, the mother and the her two children. Like, that's the only part that's really kind of likable about him. And he forces himself on Michelle Pfeiffer. I mean, he basically just takes her like, you know, you're coming with me, you know, <laughs> like Frank, Frank's old news, you know, like uh, just totally straight up, just like basically kidnaps her. And uh, when he like first kissed her, like he's just, you know, basically just goes right for it. You know, he doesn't wait for permission, anything like that, just goes right after it. And poor Michelle Pfeiffer in that movie, her character is just like just doing coke and just doesn't want to... uh be in reality at all <laughs> and uh really feel for her character in that movie and uh so uh, <laughs> i would hope at the end like there was you know because she got out she left tony like right before the end where just the murder murder spree happens at the Mon- montana uh mansion there and before the shit just completely hits the fan and it's right before that happens too. It's like it's really hard to like Tony. I know everybody. There's, you know, it's still a loved movie. That everybody loves Tony Montana, but he's just, he's an evil bastard. I mean, he goes over uh, and kills his best friend like right before he gets shot to shit. Like he kills his best friend, but I guess it's, you know, you still kind of like him because of the fact that the reason he's killing his friend is because he's trying to save the, uh, his sister. Like, he doesn't want his sister with a piece of shit like he is. Like, I mean, I guess that's sort of redeemable, but this is also his best friend that he murders. (laughs) Just fucking shoots the shit out of him. And, uh, because he slept with his sister. And, uh... (laughs) He told him not to do that. And and then, of course, he goes and does the fucking mountain of blow when he gets back to the uh, mansion before, like, uh, getting shot to shit and using the grenade launcher. Say hello to my little friend. I mean, that, that whole end scene is pretty fantastic. 
and he does take I don't know I <laughs> I don't know how many bullets but it was a lot of bullets in the end and he's just like oh, come on shoot me I'll take all your bullets <laughs> and all that shit uh, that is a you know I'm gonna have to look that up how many times was Tony Montana shot <laughs> Uh, cause that, it was a lot. There we go. That's as soon as you, how many times was Tony? You put that in Google and the first thing is how many times was Tony Montana shot? Uh, let's see here. Uh, here we go. During Kiora, he's got, they've got me here during the final shootout. Somebody had to count all this. In the movie Al Pacino, Tony Montana snorts a large dose of cocaine, stands upright despite receiving numerous bullets. Can co- cocaine really give you such energy? Oh, I was hoping they would count. Somebody's having a count. Uh, yeah, it seems... <laughs> from an anonymous person answered this, probably not a totally unrealistic scenario. It seems rather unrealistic. Um... There are many instances of combatants receiving multiple gunshots. Gunshot who continue to advance. A gunshot wound will only stop someone if the spinal cord is transected at a sufficiently high level of brain shot, a la The Walking Dead, or if it causes massive and immediate hemorrhage with corresponding loss of blood pressure. Cocaine, especially in the ridiculous amount nasally encephalated by Tony, could act as a massive dose of adrenaline due to the, uh, its sim sympathic uh, properties, this in turn could allow him to continue to do battle. Um, it's an anonymous person. It just straight up says anonymous, but uh, <laughs> yeah, here we go. This person is not anonymous. Uh, oh, <laughs> I saw a PhD in the name. It's John Robin. It says PhD and then says dance and rock music. PhD and dance and rock music. Well, there's a, there's a professional I can trust. Um <laughs> I think I agree with the the doctor's uh, (laughs) diagnose, at least from reading the first line. No, cocaine does not make you able to take hundreds of bullets and still be standing. The ending scene is pretty fucking epic until Tony gets up after being shot a few times and stands there taking dozens of bullets from machine guns, never getting shot in the face. There is a handful of assassins using machine guns, so it is not unrealistic. to calculate him getting shot several hundred times. Cocaine can numb the body and block pain receptors, but it will make, will it make you superhuman? Not a chance. Also, cocaine increases heart rate, so he may have easily bled out after getting shot by Gina, which that's true. Yeah, he got shot by his sister right before all of that shit happened because, you know, he shot her husband, his best friend, like right before all that happened. Uh, that, that end scene, I guess, is what really sells it for that movie. I mean, that scene is pretty fucking nuts. Like, he's taking out people left and right as he's just getting shot to shit. Uh, uh, David Schill is the hospital corpsman, is what he's listing himself as here. Is, uh, says, actually, yes, during the American involvement in the Philippines, the military encountered that very problem. The soldiers would be rushed from enemies so hyped up on drugs like cocaine, and they would be shot many times but still not die unless they were knocked down. That's why the 45 pistol came to use. The stopping power would knock anything down in its way. But again, there's like hundreds of fucking bullets, man. Uh, <laughs> like the, the, uh, 
I'm really curious to help. I mean, it's a fuck ton of like they're shooting machine guns at him, and they shoot him. Here we go. Screen rant. This is the ten worst things Tony Montana ever did. I imagine killing his best friend was probably the worst. Uh, let's see here. This is a good uh, screen rant. Um, do number ten. Emilio Rabenga murder. Which uh, was that his best friend? Yeah, here we go. Although his decision was made out of necessity, Montana's choice to murder General... Oh, no, sorry, General Emilio Rubanga. That was in exchange for the U.S. passport. That's at the very beginning. Set off a chain of poor decision-making right from the beginning of the film. Fresh off a boat lift from Cuba, Montana sought to get ahead by making whatever impression he could at the behest of Miami drug kingpin Frank Lopez, which <laughs> clearly not Cuban. Uh... But uh, Montana's three best friends agree to murder Abanga so they can begin a free, uh, a life of freedom in America. All of Montana's bad decisions stem from that first transgression. And there's number nine there ranking the Colombian murders. That's, of course, the chainsaw scene. Which, to be fair, I mean, he was hacking up his friend right in front of him with the fucking chainsaw. Why was that? Like, uh, he's just fucking getting his shit together. Like, he's. It seemed like he got kind of got sold out on that deal. We never find out if that one guy was like an informant or not. Um, but it seems like the guy that got killed in the helicopter. Oh, here we go. Stealing Elvira. That's a Michelle Pfeiffer's character. That is pretty fucked up. And he just basically straight up kidnaps her. They, they say here, uh, it's never a wise move to seduce your boss's best gal. But for Montana, he couldn't wait to steal Frank's trophy wife, Elvira Hancock. As soon as he laid eyes on her. <clears throat> While attracted to her at first sight, Montana waits for the perfect opportunity to poach Elvira from the increasingly powerless Frank at the height of his reign. Montana finally publicizes his feelings for Elvira. Uh, from the increasingly powerless Frank at the height of his reign, Montana finally publicizes... Or whatever. <laughs> whom he eventually marries by 1983. Uh, Frank uh, catches wind of Montana's betrayal. A lethal confrontation results in yet another terrible deed done by Tony. Stay tuned. <laughs> I guess that's leading to him killing Frank. But yeah, the deals with Souza solo. So he goes over Frank's head. That's yeah, making the drug deal with the the. I guess he's Colombian. Here, or no, he's not Colombian. He's. I guess he's, uh, Bolivian. Anyway, um. But yeah, there's that deal. Starts his own business. Is <laughs> considered number six. Uh, once Tony returns to Miami, he finds Frank irate over Omar's death and the unauthorized deal Tony made with Souza. As a result, Tony breaks and begins his own lucrative cocaine empire. Uh, oh yeah, he did. He beats his sister. There's that, um, because she was uh fucking some guy in the bathroom at a club. <laughs> uh, also, Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio, I believe, not, also not Cuban. Um, <laughs> a lot of people not not Cuban playing Cubans in this movie um, number four on here killing Frank Mr. Frank Lopez as he realized uh, of course uh, Frank put a hit out on him beforehand so but and then him killing the cop uh, Alberto um, 
And then number two, him killing Manny. That's his best friend right there. Okay, Manny. And that's the final massacre is number one. I mean, I guess so. I feel like number one should be him killing Manny. Because that really shows like he's <laughs> he's not even loyal to like he was his best friend. Like he regardless of whether or not he was with his sister, it's not like he I mean, Tony didn't know at the time, but I mean they got married and stuff. He was trying to be good to her. Even though he's not a good person, he's going around murdering people. That final mask that final masker. That that really makes the movie. If that scene's not in there at the end, like that movie's just not I don't think you end up loving like Tony Montana. You don't have all the rappers with Scarface posters around. You don't have him with that fucking grenade launcher at the end. Say hello to my little friend. <laughs> um, that's what they say about the final massacre. All of Tony's bad decisions and misdeeds become compounded into one final violent massacre he cannot escape from. Not even saying hello to his little friend can help. After killing Manny and seeing the effect it had on Gina, Tony becomes so despondent that he holds up behind a mountain of cocaine. <laughs> As Sosa's men storm in to retaliate for Alberto's death, among other things, Tony's final stand ends with a bullet-ridden whirlwind of mayhem and violence. The decision to stay put and the fight ends up costing him his life in the end, not to mention the countless lives of those he murdered along the way. But, I mean, they were drug dealers and they were hitmen for the fucking drug cartel. I don't feel too bad for them. Uh, but, uh, oh, one thing I was going to mention, fun fact... The guy that uh, is right, one of Sosa's men, which uh, they just said his name. I forgot his name. Anyway, uh, who uh, he, he set the bomb on the guy's car, and they were going to blow him up. And then Tony kills him because he doesn't want to kill the fucking kid and children. That is uh, the actor that would go on to play Tio Salamanca in Breaking Bad. That is the old man in the wheelchair with the the bell ringing the bell, and uh, he's also, of course, in uh, Better Call Saul. I love love that uh, that that guy. I don't know the actor's name, but uh, Tio, <laughs> fucking Tuco's uncle. That character, holy shit! That is like one of the best drug dealer characters ever in a fucking show. Is fucking, fucking oh yeah. Tuco Salamanca, Alberto the Shadow. That's that's the name of Tio's character. It's uh, the actor's name is uh uh buh-buh. and you're not gonna give me the fucking actor's name, you sons of bitches. What is uh? I don't care about the backstory of the character. Just tell me the fucking actor's name, you bastards. It is. Mark Margolis uh, is part of the Bolivian cartel. Yeah, he's fucking... He even looks old in that. I'm guessing he's probably in his 40s at the time, but... Like, that movie was shot a long time ago, you know? Like, in the 80s. Early 80s. And uh, it's fantastic, fantastic stuff, though. Tio. Uncle Tio. Uh... Yeah, other than that, though, I mean, I'm, I've caught up on, on the Loki. So I watched that the other night. And I like the route it's going. Uh, spoiler alert, if you haven't watched it, I'm about to spoil a little bit of it. I like how we just found out at the uh, near the end 
this last episode that uh, the TVA are actually variants themselves. The people that work for the TVA, they didn't, they think they were like born into it and that it's a different world, but actually they're also variants. So I'm liking where that's going. It's getting interesting. I'm still like the uh, feel of the show, the vibe, the look of it. And uh, got to see, it's cool seeing Loki out like with his powers now, now that he's out of uh, the realm of the TVA, whatever they call that, where his powers are being masked and everything. So that's that's exciting stuff. And uh, I feel like there was some, some other stuff I wanted to talk about tonight. And it is currently eluding me, currently eluding me. As I'm thinking again about like, oh, concerts. Would be really dope to go see the Foo Fighters. I don't know that I should really send money on concert tickets right now. But, uh, you know, I make a lot of bad decisions. <laughs> As, uh, it would be really awesome to go see a concert again. And love to see Mr. Dave Grohl, the Foo Fighters. Uh, they, from my understanding, they, I mean, I've seen a lot of their concerts on YouTube, not the same. But, uh, I mean, it looks like they put on some really good shows. I know I've seen, like, when they played Wim- uh, Wimbledon and stuff, like, I remember watching that, like, the whole show and everything. And, like, they, they put, oh, man, some of their shows will last for, like, hours. Like, they'll have, like, acoustic sets mixed in with the electric and just all kinds of goodness. Goodness. Uh, still no pool table yet. Hopefully we get that that uh, that soon. But again, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not in a real big rush to get in here because that means I also have to move it here, and that been so tired. That seems challenging, and uh, <laughs> I don't know what when I'm gonna have energy to really do it. I imagine I just gotta fucking do it, you know? Pull like pulling a bandaid off, just fucking rip it off, like get that shit done, yo. But you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. So right now, if you go to the Slapbox penthouse, uh, there's really <laughs> really nothing in the downstairs except for a TV laying on the floor because I still haven't anybody over here to help me mount it on the wall. And uh, I, I really need to start bugging somebody. Just get somebody over here. Just help me put it on the wall. It is kind of bother, bothering me that it's still just sitting there on the fucking floor. Uh, and I'm like, the more I, I'm down there too, it's like, man... It would be kind of cool to have a living, actual living room down there as the master bedroom, which I've been using as the living room, gets a little hot in there because the sun really hits that room a lot, and I don't have a blackout curtain on it. I have some shades, some blinds, but uh, they let a lot of sun still come through, and so it gets pretty warm up there, and you know, heat rises. If it was downstairs, I mean, I could keep it a lot cooler. And I could probably shut off some of the vents upstairs, maybe save some on, on some electricity. Uh, but unfortunately, no. <laughs> pool, a pool table. I mean, if I, I'm going to feel a lot better about it and not have those thoughts if I just get that pool table in here. And then, although of course that's going to require some work as well, as I, I will need to refelt and then uh, do something about legs for it. So, but that man, that's. Uh, I also have looked into, again, making bad ideas with m- money as like right now I'm like thinking maybe I shouldn't spend a goddamn dime because 
less than a week, I do make my first mortgage payment, which means a lot of money is going to disappear real fast. Um, and I got to make sure that I have enough money to pay all the other bills that I have coming through. Um, so now I'm getting a little paranoid about the money, but, uh, I really sort of tempted, not extremely tempted to get this amplifier called the, uh, positive spark or positive grid spark, something like that. It's this, uh, amplifier that, uh, you, uh, a guitar amp. It's a practice amp that you can, uh, hook a, a tablet or phone up to via, I guess they use Bluetooth or Wi-Fi, one of the two. And, oh shit, knocking shit over. Um, of course they have all kinds of, uh, <clears throat> things that you can use on their app for the uh, amplifier to where you can create all kinds of different tones for your guitar and make your guitar sound like, you know, a Marshall half stack or a Vox or an orange amplifier. And then it's got all kinds of effects, pedal variants on compression, uh, phasers, fucking flangers, like, uh, chorus pedals, all that kind of stuff. And then when you go online, and well, they, you can save four um, presets on the amp itself, so you can just press one of the presets, and you automatically get all those effects pedals, all that stuff, that tone set up in that that preset. And you can always change the preset, go into the app, and then uh, change your presets. But uh, <laughs> so you can just plug and play with that. But then when when you hook it up to the internet, on your tablet and or phone. Uh, you can go on and people can uh, upload and share their own tones. And there's like thousands and thousands of these tones up apparently. And people have, you know, will figure out the tone for whatever song. They'll be like uh, like a Hendrix song, like Purple Haze or something. You go in there and they, they give you like a fuzz face uh, distortion pedal. And, you know, all the, all the other stuff and really get you that sound of that old uh Marshall half stack that he that he was using and uh you can really like hit that tone with the practice thing. It does you know, it's not gonna work good for like a stage amp if you're going out and playing live uh, unless it's a very small venue. But uh <clears throat> practice wise it seems pretty cool and it also can work as a Bluetooth speaker. So, you know, I can just listen to podcasts or whatever. Also like I mean there's a lot of cool shit you can do with that little fucker um, with the app, you can, uh, pull up YouTube videos and it will listen to the YouTube video, like the song, and it will figure out what chords there are to the song and tell you the chords that, uh, and show you, you know, how to play the chords. It's got a lot of just really cool shit with it. Almost too much. Like I like to just plug in and fucking play. I don't want... (laughs) There's too much stuff. Like, I'm probably just not going to fuck with it. <laughs> but the f- just the fact that I can hit all those tones, I, I really would just like that. And I-, I don't think at 40 years old, I'm all of a sudden going to join a band. I've never actually been a part of a band. So, like, me having a half stack, which I still have over at the Muffin Man's house. Like, uh, although fun to play. It is fun to, like, just just rock out on a really loud-ass fucking amplifier. Um it's really kind of pointless for me to, especially uh, living in like basically a condo, you know, having neighbors right next to me. I'm really 
probably the best to uh, uh, be having like a half stack or some kind of massive fucking amplifier in here. However, if I get the uh, spark there, yeah, I can get the sound of like, say, Adam Jones. And uh, he uses the diesel amplifiers, which are fucking expensive. Like brand new, the cheapest one is like between like three to five grand, somewhere in there. But man, it sounds good. Like he, well, he uses, dual, like he uses, uh, he's changed a little bit here and there. But he'll uh, use two amplifiers, uh, or maybe even three. I know he uses like a Marshall. I think it might be a JCM one hundred. I'm not sure what type of Marshall he uses. But then he also uses a fucking uh, diesel amplifier, so it's like a split signal. So it's almost like two guitars going at once. And that would be really expensive to, you know, copy that. Although you can get a you can get a diesel effects pedal that makes it sound like a, a diesel amplifier, which would be cheaper than buying a fucking diesel amplifier, but it's still like a three hundred dollar pedal. Which the spark amplifier, uh, right now I can get for like two fifty. So <laughs> it'd be cheaper than, even than the uh, effects pedal. But you know, there's the whole mortgage payment thing that really uh, blocks me from making any <laughs> Any decisions like that. I've quit buying furniture too. Like I was like, oh yeah, let's keep getting like furniture. And now I'm starting to go like, okay, let's, let's stop getting crazy. Like, uh, kind of running out of the surplus of cash I had. Um, so, uh, <laughs> so yeah, so that's, that's about where, where I'm at. And, uh, hopefully here soon we can, uh, get more. St- I keep saying this like every week, but like get, get some more people on, on the show as, uh, I think real big problem is I just, I just wasn't working so damn much. I could, uh, you know, <laughs> keep more in contact with people and try to get, uh, be more active and trying to get, uh, you know, some more shit going on. But there's the uh, lack of energy is probably my biggest problem at the moment. <laughs> Still haven't uh, wor- finished any demos either. I want to do some demos to do the voiceover work. And I kind of thought of some ideas. I want to do some fake trailers. Uh, cause I w I'd love to do some voiceover work for like movie trailers. That would be fantastic. So I need to make up some trailer, uh, stuff and, uh, maybe do a commercial for like traveling to Ireland or something like that, which I will have to fight the urge of doing it with an Irish accent. Also, you know, you do it a little bit. I don't know. It sounds so great. But you talk like this. I don't know that anybody's going to pay me to talk like that. It's not maybe the greatest Irish accent, but, eh, you know, maybe I'll just do one with an Irish accent just for my own <laughs> listening pleasure. I'll do one in English with my normal fucking accent. Um, then for shits and giggles, I'll just do it like this, you know, like I'm from Galway. Uh, why not? Uh, uh, yeah, I need to really hit up some... Uh, Get that rocking out as I do have all the acoustic panels to finish up the closet to do a recording booth. Shouldn't be that bad to stay in the closet just long enough to record, you know, a commercial or two. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, that's another thing I need to get on. Next weekend, I, I will have hopefully at least two days off because of the holiday. I should have Sunday and Monday. I probably won't get Saturday off, but. I'm hoping to at least have two fucking days off. <laughs> Maybe I can get a little bit of shit done. I know I have to change my oil in my car and stuff. 
that that's a bit of a downer, but <laughs> I'll be able to uh, hopefully get the ball rolling on some stuff, get a little bit more uh, things worked out, and uh, yeah, that's that's really all I've got. Um, as always, that is a kid in a wheelchair, not a trash can.